this morning I greet you in the name of the Lord, and uh, it is a pleasure uh, to visit you this morning and to share with you uh, the Word of God, and I want to thank you for uh, your prayers and your faithful uh, support, and for the way that uh, uh, you have contributed to the ministry that God has put us in in Haiti. And uh, uh, I am here with my family. I have my wife and the two boys, Michael and Matthew, with me. And uh, I would like you to open your your Bible to uh, John chapter 13. Uh, John chapter 13 in the New Testament. John chapter 13. Uh, we're going to talk about what it means uh, to be a uh, foot washers in this world. What does it mean to be foot washers in this world? John chapter 13. I will not read uh, the whole passage for you, but uh, I'm just going to point to verses when we need to. Uh, John chapter 13. What does it mean to be foot washers in this world. It was year 2000 and Alonzo Mourning, a, a star Hall of Fame basketball player, was on top of the world. He just won the NBA Defensive Player of the Year. He won a gold medal with the USA in the Sydney Olympics and he was a proud father in fact we can say that he was on top of the world uh, Alonzo Mourning said that at that particular time I was probably at the highest moment of my life but little did I know that there was some things going on inside me that would change my life forever. Uh, what happened? He went for a routine, a preseason physical. And after the physical, he received a phone call from his doctor. Uh, the doctor said uh, to Alonzo Morning uh, that you have a rare kidney disorder called Focal lumeriosclerosis. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I don't wish to be a doctor. So uh, maybe I don't say it right. Uh, it, but it, it is a disease that scars and deteriorates the filters in the kidney. And uh, so it was a dark night for Alonzo Morning uh, for the Miami Heat. And for his wife, as his wife started to cry, with medication, uh, Alonzo was able to play at least 100 more games. Then he got the worst news from his doctor. The doctor told him that in order to survive, he had to have a kidney, a kidney transplant. And so he was wondering what going to happen, whether he was going to get 
be able to get a kidney, then what I want to get to the point is, is that his cousin, uh, Jason Cooper, uh, made a sacrifice. Jason Cooper said that, uh, you know what? I want you to live. Uh, I want to save your life. I will, I want to give you one of my kidneys. And after the surgery, uh, Alonso resumed his career and he won the NBA championship with the Heat in 2006 after receiving the kidney. Uh, this year, Alonzo Mourning was installed uh, into the Hall of Fame. Uh, the Sun, the Sun uh, Sentinel, a newspaper for the city of Miami, said that Alonzo Mourning will carry a part of Jason Cooper into the Hall of Fame when he is inducted. And the kidney transplant was made by the selflessness of his cousin Jason Cooper. The love of Cooper transforms Alonzo and now Alonzo focuses on life, renewal, and compassion. Uh, the reason why I read this story is because when we come to John chapter 13, uh, we look at the story of Jesus washing uh, the disciples' feet. And uh, we are thinking about the call that Christ has upon us to be foot washers in this world. And we start thinking uh, about Christ's idea and example of sacrifice. The love that demonstrates sacrifice to us. In fact, like uh, when you look at this passage, uh, you look at the number of times that uh, love is mentioned in this passage. Uh, I think it's like uh, 36 times you have love mentioned 34 times. The word love is mentioned in John chapter 14 to 17. So, it talks about why Christ went to the agony. Why he showed his compassion. It's like Jason Cooper who saw his cousin dying and decide that, hey man, I will go to surgery to give you one of my own kidney. Maybe I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Whether the one left, uh, I might have a problem with it and my, I might die. But I want to sacrifice myself to give you something of value so that way you can live. And we're thinking about why Christ went to the agony uh, of the cross. Why he accepted humiliation and why he left his glory? And you ask yourself that question. And when you think about the, the thing that Jesus went through, I think about the beating. I went, you think about the slapping on the face. We think about the side pierce. 
You think about going to Golgotha? You think about the way that Jesus' reputation was judged when they put him in the middle of two thieves, two criminals? And in John chapter 15 verse 13, he said that greater love has no man than this, that a man give his life for his friends. So, in John chapter 13, verse 1 to 17, what we are saying is that being foot washers is being willing to express our love unconditionally. To express our love to the world unconditionally. In fact, like a, if I were to ask you this morning, how many people in this church love each other? In fact, everyone would uh, would raise their hand to say that uh, uh, oh, I love my brothers and sisters I love everyone in the church but you know the love that you express by saying that you love each other in the church uh, is more abstract love you know it's more abstract love I think uh, in America in English it's exp- that abstract love that you have for one another it's more like what we call puppy love uh, the puppy love, uh, you know, it's a love that expressed in the mouth, but it doesn't come deep from your heart. And that's what happened. But Jesus is teaching us here by washing the disciples' feet that love is sacrifice. Uh, love is laying down one's life for the welfare of other people. Love is being willing to serve someone. Love is going, is is accepting to accept somebody even though you know that person is going to betray you. Although you know someone is going to betray you, you accept to love that person. In fact, like say, when you look at verse 1 and verse 2, eh, <coughs> it was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. So, Jesus knew that in the heart of Judas Iscariot, there was the reality that Judah is going to betray him just with a kiss to cause his death. But in spite of that, Jesus said, I'm going to humble myself and wash your feet anyway. I will love you anyway, in spite of the fact you are a traitor. And a lot of the time within the church, it's easy to love the people who loved us. You know, it's very easy to love the people who loved us. It's very easy to show compassion to the people who show compassion to us. But what about the people we think are mean to us? You know, God tells us that we need to love them anyway. Love is going as far as crucifixion, death, and burial. Love is is, is giving who you are, what you have, where you have nothing less. Like it is expressed in John 3.16, God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, 
So he only had one son, no more. And he is willing to give it up just for you and just for me. And if Jesus, if God didn't have that kind of sacrificial love, I can, I can, I, I can ask myself, where would I be today? Where would you be today? Where would the world be today in the midst of chaos? Love is taking risk for the welfare of someone else. Uh, that was in 2008. We went to the worst uh, hurricane in the sea, uh, and it happened in the city of Gonaive. Then there was a pastor who called me and told me that there were 14 children who were stuck on the top of a roof. And as those children were on the roof for three days, without food, without clothes, and they talk about the story, those kids, when they come, they were talking to us about the kind of story, the kind of things they went through, like being on second story of a house and touching the water as the water was raised like 30 feet high. And they were telling us how they saw human bodies going through, dead animals going through, and they were talking to us about all the uh, sad stories of things that happened. And uh, God touched our lives to go and pick them up. And when those kids, right now, that was back in, a, in, in 2008. And we drove to the city of Gonaive about two and a half, uh, three hours from Capetian. When we get uh, those children, and then we have to take the risk of taking them back to our place in order to save their lives. They have been living with us since 2008. And uh, uh, right now we have two of them who are going to finish high school and will go to university. And so what I learned to that is that as I went to college, as I went to seminary, there was something that I didn't learn. What I didn't learn is that ministry is not just about uh, books and about the intellectual part of it, learning verses or anything like that. It's having the transforming power of Jesus Christ coming down to our heart and then that power going from us to touch somebody else in love. And that's what it's all about. If you are a Christian today and you are in this church and God is serving, God is touching your heart and the Bible is telling you that you need to reach out and touch somebody else. And you do that in love. You know, many things went to our mind when we went to Gonaive to pick up the children. And those children have been living a rough life over the years. And the... But now we have to go and get them and mingle them with our family. I started to think about how Jesus reached down to me. How Jesus reached down to me in the midst of poverty to make of me what I am today. And I started to think about what Christ has done in my own life. 
other people that he has used in my he, he has used in my life to touch me. And then I start thinking about First John three verse sixteen to seventeen, where the Bible says that he, he is the love of God. That that's the fact that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for others. And the Bible says that if someone has the world's good and see his brother in need and shut his bow of compassion from him. You see, the, the love of God does not dwell in him. So, in order to prove that the love of God dwells in you, you have to be out to reach out in compassion to other people. In fact, like say, in John chapter 3 verse 18, he said that, Brothers and sisters, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So, so loving in word and loving in tongue, that's what we call the puppy love. But loving in deed and in truth is acting in a sense of self-sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed himself for us. So if we want to make a commitment to be foot washers today, we want to let the love of Christ shine to us. The light of the gospel must be shown to the world through our love and compassion. And I always say that God is in, we say we love God. But he's in heaven. We don't see him. So what we see is his children represent him. So if you want to show that, uh, uh, if, he, if, if we show that we love God, we love one another. You know? In, in fact, like say, uh, I like it when, uh, when the Bible says that when we get to heaven, uh, it, God is, Jesus is going to say that uh, you, uh, I thank you because I was hungry, you fed me, I was thirsty, you give me to drink, I was, you know, and he say, and I, oh, when did I do that to you? He say, every time you did that to one of the little ones, you did that to me. You know, so every time you reach out and touch someone in your congregation, in your community, in the world, you have done that to the Lord. So, being a foot washer is by is expressing that sacrificial love, that sacrificial love to one another. Uh, don't, then, when you look at the passage, you understand that being a foot washer is also an expression of our humility. So first, we have a sacrificial love. Then we have what we call a humility. A, that the, in humility, you have what we call the love that demonstrates sacrifice. And this love is exemplified to humble service. And a, a, I went to the dictionary to see what humility means. Humility is the quality of or state of not thinking that you are better than someone else. So, being humble 
is thinking that uh, who we are, what we are, is not because of our own importance. You know, have you ever thought that maybe today that uh, it's the grace of God that you have, it's because of the grace of God that you have a house to live. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever said, God, thank you for giving me a house to live? Because it's because of the grace of God. So the guy who is sleeping on the street of Chicago, you know, uh, the homeless, you call it, you know better than him. You know, it's the grace of God that because of His grace, He gives you a place to live. Have you ever thought that the reason why you can have a car to drive to church this morning is because of the grace of God? If you, if you think that the reason why this morning you have good health is because of the grace of God. The reason why maybe you have food to eat this morning is because of the grace of God. Hey, you know, you know better than the hungry of the world. The, the people who are hungry in the world, you know better than them. But it's the grace of God that has come to you. So everything that you have, everything that you own, everything that you are, it's not because of you, but because of the grace of God. That's the gospel of grace that we are talking about this morning. Hey, but what happened, it's very easy to be proud. You don't have to be to do anything to be a proud person. I kept on thinking about that. I can be a, a proud pastor. I can be a proud Christian in the church. I, I can be a proud husband. You can be a proud wife. You can be a proud mother. It, there's nothing you have to do. Just stay the way you are. And you're full of pride. But, in order for you to be humble... There has to be a special anointing of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? So, so it's, so basically, the person that you see that very arrogant in the midst of you, it's because there is nothing they have done. There, nothing has been done to them. But in order for you to humble, to be humble, there has to be a special work of the Holy Spirit. You know? So, to transform your life. And it's because of the, the reason why we are sometimes arrogant. Is because there is what we call filth into our life. And when we move that filthy stuff in our life. And it kind of, we kind of get humble. And we understand that the reason why we are clean today is not because of us. But because of what Christ has done to us. A Philippian and John thirteen seventeen has a good relationship. Jesus' example is putting a reputation on the line. Uh, Jesus is saying that we need to put our selfishness on the line. We need to put our pride on the line, our self-esteem, our self-image, our status quo, so we can humble himself, humble ourselves before the cross. Uh, in Philippians 2 verse 5, the Bible says, uh, Let this might be in you was also in Christ Jesus. Being in the form of God, he, he, he became, he, he didn't want to be equal with God. He made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. And he also he was made in the likeness of men. And being a man, he humbled himself 
and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Uh, Jesus, you know, in verse 3 and 4, he's telling the disciple, if I can wash your feet, there is nothing that I will not do for you. I will go as far as humbling myself to come down with water and wash your feet and remove the filth of your foot. It doesn't matter how it makes me look. Uh, and you have to understand the tradition of foot washing. Uh, foot washing was, was the work of a slave. It wasn't just Jewish slave who used to do that. It used to be the work of a Gentile slave. Uh, because like uh, when you look at in Exodus chapter 21 and in Leviticus 25, uh, there are wolves that govern being a Jewish slave or a Gentile slave. And uh, they make a big difference between a Jewish slave and a Gentile slave. At some point, the uh, Jewish slave will be free, but the Gentile slave uh, is going to be slave forever. And then they consider the Gentile slave as dogs. They were like dogs. And they were the one who could, and, and they were forced to wash the master's feet. You know? And so washing somebody's feet is the lowest level of humility. And, and when you think about Jesus leaving his heavenly glory and lowering himself down to the point where he died as a gentle criminal and he gave up his dignity he put himself below the disciple. And when you look at when the disciples were arrested, when, when Jesus was arrested, the disciples were free. When Jesus was judged, was being judged, the disciples were free. When he was hanged on the cross, where were the disciples? They were all gone. You know, Jesus put himself below them. And in verse 4, the Bible tells us that he took off his garment. He you know, like a, when he took off his garment, he put himself just like a gentle slave. That, that's the way the gentle slaves were dressed. He stripped himself completely and he, he, he to take the form of a true servant. In fact, like a, a, a modern foot washer, if you want to be a foot washer in this church, in this community today, you want to strip yourself down completely with all the transparency and present yourself in humble service to your brothers and sisters. Strip yourself completely and present yourself as a humble a servant to your brothers and sisters. So first, in John chapter 13, the Bible is telling us that we need to show that sacrificial love we need to humble ourselves and then it's telling us that uh, we need true cleansing that's the third aspect of the passage true cleansing pride is understanding that you are self-sufficient and that you don't need God in fact modern society uh, is telling us that we have everything that we need you know, in fact, like say, uh, in Haiti, uh, we don't have electricity where we live. If we want electricity, we have to turn on a generator. So whenever we don't have a generator, we are in trouble. And so it's kind of 
when I tell people in Haiti that uh, uh, even if we have electricity, even if we have we are connected to the city power, what's going to happen? You may have it like two hours a day, three hours a day, and then uh, when I'm explaining to people uh, that I live in the United States for 15 years, and during those 15 years, I never witnessed a blackout. You know, and people are saying, oh my goodness. And I say, you know what? Uh, uh, the city, in, in America, if there is a blackout for an hour, the American will not take that. You know, they, you just won't accept that from the city. And, and I'm telling people that in Haiti that, uh, you know what? When I go to the bathroom at the airport, and I, you go to wash your hand and there is no water. And I'm telling my friends that, you know what? That can never happen in the United States. Because the American will not take that. You know? So, it's like, we have everything that we need. We don't need God. You know? If you want, if you want money, if you want money, you get money. If you want a car, you get a car. If you don't have money to buy your car, you can go and finance it. I mean, it's like you have everything and you just need, you don't need each other. You don't need God. You know, you don't need God. But you know what? Although you may be financially uh, self-sufficient, although you might be well-educated, you are personally self-sufficient, there is a sense of spiritual thirst that you must experience to be a complete person. It's understanding that you need Jesus. You know, it's understanding that you cannot live your own way. In fact, like a foot washer understands that he needs to be spiritual, spiritually washed by the Lord, which is a daily cleansing from the pollution of sin. You know, it is possible that we have everything that we need. We have electricity, we have good water, we have everything. We have a car, we have a house. But we are empty inside. And that emptiness comes from the fact that, you know, there, are, there is some form of pollution, of sin, that kind of killed all our spiritual drive. In fact, like a, in ancient time, people took complete bath before they left the house. When they get to the place of destination, they get a welcome as a gentle servant would wash their feet. Before leaving home, they washed their entire body. They took a bath. But at the moment of arrival, their feet were washed. Jesus telling Peter in verse 10 and 11, verse 10 and 11, Jesus told Peter, a person who has had a bath need only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. So, what happened is that uh, that complete bath we took was at the moment of salvation when Jesus washed our sins and give us eternal life. But daily as we are living, we have a thing that are filtering into our lives. 
and we need daily cleansing from the Lord. In fact, like the Bible says that we need to come daily unto Him that loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. We need to come daily before Him who, who, who saved us and washed us from our sin in His own blood. As Christians, we have to understand our shortfalls and allow Christ to intervene in our lives and cleanse us. So, in order to have access to fellowship with Jesus Christ, we have to have that daily cleansing. And in order to have access to fellowship with Jesus Christ, to feel like you are completely healed spiritually, we have to allow Christ to cleanse us and remove the sins that kind of keep us from being what Christ wants us to be. Uh, so making a commitment today to be a foot washer uh, is to make a commitment to love, to be humble, and to be cleansed. So today, what am I asking you to do today as a result of John chapter 13? What I'm asking you today to do is, is to open your heart for the need to be washed by Jesus. Present yourself to the Lord so His grace might cleanse you and remove the filth in your life. We, wash to, we want to wash each other's feet. We would like to be a church. I would like you to be a church where people care for each other. Where people serve each other. I would like you for you here in, at Trilex to be a church where people help and encourage each other. Even if you need to be a leader. Even if you need to respect, to earn the respect of others. Uh, I would like to see you earn the respect of others by being a by being a true servant. You know, even if you are to be a leader, be a leader by being a true servant. Uh, as a church, God has called you for service to the world, to reach out with a purpose, the call to be ambassador. So let's go out from this place into the world with a heart of compassion, with a heart of humility, and uh, if for any reason uh, God wants to use you, He will be ready to use you because He has cleansed you and you are humble and inside you there is a deep love and compassion for a world that is dying. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you because you have reached out and touched us. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done in our lives. Thank you, Lord, because uh, you have cleansed us. You have saved us. You have transformed us. May our love reach out to touch the world. May our love reach out to touch people who need you in this community and everywhere so that the name of Christ may be praised and your name will be glorified.
In the name of Jesus, we pray today. Amen.